What's up? This is Rayshon Jenkins, and you're listening to the Chargers Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Chris Harry with you on a training camp edition of Chargers Weekly. That's right, 2020 training camp presented by SoFi. First week in the books. It may not look like a conventional training camp, though. Coach Lynn said it's a lot of walkthroughs, a lot of teaching, getting used to football at this point before the pads come on in a couple of weeks. So my guest this week, NFL Network Steve Weish, and he does it all at NFL Network. He's an anchor slash host. He's a reporter. He's an analyst. He knows the NFL better than anybody. And we talked a lot of Chargers, a lot of AFC West, what the Chargers could look like in 2020, coming off a 5-11 and season, but a 12-4 and season two years ago. This defense and Tyrod Taylor at the controls under center, what he can do with the football in terms of playing mistake-free, but also maybe having to take some shots to keep up with some of these high-powered offenses in the division. So without further ado, here's Steve Weish. I think you're really going to enjoy the conversation. All right, as promised, NFL Network Steve Weish joins me here on Chargers Weekly. And Steve, friend of the podcast, it's been a while though, man. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. You know, just trying to do my part to, uh, you know, keep everybody safe, keep myself safe and cover football, man. It is a different, I've been doing this a long time and it is a different world we're in right now. So hopefully, you know, we can navigate through this all safely and, you know, and, and do our share. But how are you doing, man? Hey, no, no complaints from me. I've, I've been watching you on NFL Network doing some some great reporting, some really important work, too, when, when you talk about the, these roundtables surrounding social justice. Uh, I saw the, the piece you did on, on the Rams and, and COVID-19. Uh, let's just dive into more of you've been covering this league for a long time. Uh, what has this first week of August been like? Normally, we're, we're getting ready for preseason game number one, Steve. This is just – I feel like we're still in OTA mode. Yeah, look, this is supposed to be the night when the Hall of Fame game is played. I, I would have been up in Canton normally all week for all the celebrations, getting prepared to introduce a class of, you know, of 2020, you know, with the, the big expanded centennial class. Um, and, and so now what we're doing are remote, remote Zooms. I mean, the Chargers have made, you know, coaches and several players available, as, as every team has. So that part has been great. But, you know, we're, we're, we're creatures of habit like the players and coaches. We want to be out there smelling the grass. And even if these guys are just doing non-contact drills, we'd like to see these guys. We want to hear the whistles blowing and, and having some face-to-face interaction. And that's going to be the toughest part because a lot of the great relationships you make, you're not talking football. The recorders aren't on. That's right. You're just seeing a guy who maybe just had a baby or whatever, and you're just chopping it up. And you're striking up these, these relationships – um, that again, it's, it's going to be, you know, ice cold this year in terms of, you know, we're talking through, you know, the, the virtual call, like here, I mean, you and me are cool. We know each other, Yeah, but you know, it's going to be hard to foster a lot of newer relationships this way. It absolutely is. And, you know, coach Lynn had his, uh, weekly zoom press conference on, uh, Wednesday and, you know, people are asking him about players and what he thinks. He's like, guys, we're, we're still in football teaching mode we're still in acclimating and, and walkthrough mode so I haven't seen any of these guys really he's like if you can't impress me in a walkthrough you probably need to get out <laughs> yeah if you if you can't be what we call training camp you know all pros by looking good in shorts and jerseys then, then it's then it's not happening hey I want to ask you about this 2020 Chargers team because 
last year, five and 11, the year before 12 and four. And the common theme, I think, a lot of one score losses in, in just the turnover battle. You know, they lost it on both sides. They couldn't take the ball away and they turned it over too much. Um, your overall impressions entering 2020 when it comes to, to the LA Chargers, who they have coming back and, and who they acquired via free agency in the draft? Well, they're loaded. I mean, you, you look at you look at that division. You know, the Chiefs absolutely, you know, are, are the team to beat. But the Chargers. You look at first of all, I want to talk about offense. No one's talking about Trey Turner and Brian Bulaga. You know, the guard tackle yeah. combo that they've had that was necessary. Trey Turner is a really, really good player. Bulaga is a tough kind of a scrapper type of player. And so if they can stay healthy up front and run the ball consistently, that was a big issue last year. They could not consistently sustain drives running the ball. If they can do that, that's going to set things up for Ty, for um, Tyrod Taylor, you know, on the move, a lot of the run action, set up the pass game. You know, he, he can throw the deep ball. He's not going to let it go uh, as frequently as Phillip Rivers did. He's not that, that a risky type of thrower. He's a safe type of player and has driven people crazy before. Um, but we know starting the season, Ty, Ty's going to be the guy until Justin Herbert's ready. Um, defensively, I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there's no reason why they should not absolutely dominate getting Kenneth Murray there at, at the inside linebacker spot, adding Chris Harris to that secondary, um, and getting Lynn Val Joseph. That's one that's not talked about enough either. I mean, he is, he is a tough player to move. Meebane's been a really good player for that team at nose tackle. Lynn Val Joseph should have the same type of locker room and on-field impact. So there's no reason for the Chargers to not do well. But, you know, with them, it's usually been health. Yeah. And last year, I think things just got sideways. I mean, I, it just once, once that ball started going downhill, um, they, they couldn't recover. I, I think it'll be different this year. It'll be fresher this year. Just the big question is, how long is Ty Taylor going to be your quarterback? Is it going to be all season? Is it going to be six games? And, and how, how – Soon will Justin Herbert be ready? Before we get to offense, I want to go back to defense real quick because I looked this up. Joey Bosa and Darwin James have only shared the field for for twelve regular season games. Steve, just think about that. You know, Joey just turned twenty five. Darwin was twenty four, and those games that they shared, one of them was coming off an injury. Right. So they, they really haven't had time to, to really share the field together. So you talk about Joey being locked in, uh, Darwin staying healthy, uh, a guy like Chris Harris Jr. who can really play the slot, play on the outside, Casey Hayward. Um, to, to have these young pieces meshing with guys like Linval Joseph, who uh, was just so instrumental in the success of, of uh, Hunter and Griffin in, in Minnesota, the philosophy I feel like the Chargers are taking in, in trying to beat the Chiefs is slowing their offense where, where I see the Broncos and Raiders trying to load up on offense and maybe try to outscore Kansas City. Well, I think that's based on where they – yeah, they put their resources. I mean, you know, Kansas City is so balanced now. You see what they've done in, in keeping players on their defensive side and, and locking some guys up on the defensive side. But the Chargers, you know, they, they've had the talent on defense, right? Melvin Ingram, Bosa, again, if Derwin James can stay healthy – Casey Hayward, you know, at corner. I mean, no one talks enough about how good he is. There's not a weak link. I mean, Uchenna, uh, Uchenna on, on one of the linebackers to go with Kenneth Murray. They've got speed. They've got pursuit guys. They've got some guys who can deliver thump. You know, and I think they're going to try to beat the Chiefs by not reacting, but try to dictate terms. I think they're going to be highly aggressive looking at the speed and the range of the players they have on the defense. So they can do some things up front to really try to make Patrick Mahomes and Drew Locke 
and all these guys uncomfortable. So, you know, Derek Carr to make them uncomfortable because, you know, the Raiders, you, I mean, you look at this division, the Broncos offense should be a lot better. Drew Locke, you can say what oh, you yeah. want. He looked really good when he came in last year. He looks like he's the real deal. We'll see. They've, they've strengthened their offensive line. The Raiders, great offensive line, excellent running back, strengthen their receiving core. We'll see. But defensively, there's not a team in the division that can mess with the Chargers. And again, I think they're balanced. It's just a matter of how many points they can put up because there's going to be some games that defense is not going to be able to hold and they're going to be able to score. I know Anthony and everyone's talking about them being safe. Safe is one thing and not turning yeah. the ball is one thing. But at some point, you're going to have to put up 34, 35 points to win ball games. And the thing about that, Steve, is, is Tyrod hasn't had a set of weapons like this, I think, in his career uh, when he's been the starter. When you have guys like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Hunter Henry and, you know, you almost have to throw a lot of these offensive stats from last year out the window because Phillip's not there. Melvin Gordon's not there. Uh, a new offensive line coach, uh, a, kind of a new running scheme. Um, I think Tyrod is set up for success, but the most important thing is you alluded to it. Uh, coach, number one thing, he don't want to turn the football over and, and Tyrod doesn't do that. Now nope. he said yesterday, there's a fine line between playing, you know, a little risky and really just being what Tyrod's been is, is taking it, easy, not being very uh, risky with the football. Uh, if he can make some plays while taking care of the football, extending drives, Chargers could be in good shape. They could. I mean, again, I, I've, I've known Ty Taylor for a while since he's, you know, had his opportunities since he was Joe Flacco's backup in Baltimore and Cam Cameron, his OC was like, this guy's going to be a starter one day, gets his opportunity when he's with Anthony in Buffalo, um, then goes to Cleveland and he's in a similar situation he was in a similar situation there as he is now where he's got a hotshot rookie behind him. And people want to see a gunslinger rookie, not the guy who's going to play it safe and take care of the ball like Ty Taylor. And that was somewhat of a point of frustration in Cleveland because sometimes, you know, there'd be players open downfield and he'd, he'd take the safe play. But it was – I'll put it to you kindly this way. Things with that organization were not nearly as buttoned up as they are <laughs> with the Chargers right now. So I think Ty's got a coach who's, who's fully believing in him, who's in no hurry to get Justin Herbert on the field, and has a plan for the entire offense, not just the quarterback, to succeed. And the fact that Shane Steichen, he, he came in as the offense coordinator middle of last year. So it, it's really hard to put your direct stamp on the offense when, when you're kind of playing from behind. So to, to have Shane – and then also people forget Pep Hamilton – pretty daggone good coach um to have him in that quarterback's room with Tyrod and Justin Herbert that's just another layer to this offense um just some more input from a, a really good offensive mind of Pep yeah absolutely and I'm glad you mentioned Pep Hamilton like your boy a Howard graduate that's right um and then Shane Steichen um it's gonna be different man I mean why would you have you have a mobile quarterback like Ty Taylor a mobile quarterback like Justin Herbert so there's gonna be a lot of run action you're gonna see a lot of stretch zone scheme on the runs or Austin Eckler and these guys can pop it up in there read the defense and make those explosive plays in the run game and we know that Pep Hamilton coming from the Jim Harbaugh kind of coaching tree run the ball and let's get everything set footwork running the ball wise and then we'll develop the stuff the pass game off of the run action so it's going to be a lot to me. The, the offense is going to look a lot different that way. But at the same time, you mentioned the the other options. You know, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry. They're not in the NFL to block. Okay, at some point they are going to want to be fed, and they're going to be want to be fed repeatedly if they're hot, if they're rolling up a drive, they've got a tempo, blah blah blah. 
And you don't want to get into a situation where they're getting frustrated, where they're, where they're playing at the Ravens wide receivers blocking 80% of the time in the run game. So there's going to be an interesting balance to see how they're going to set things up. And like I said, there's going to be games where they're going to have to throw it 30 to 35 times, and it can't just be checkdowns. It's got to be some explosive plays over the top. Otherwise, you're just denying the potential of all this talent to really light up the scoreboard. No question. And Austin Eckler, too. I mean, the fact that this guy caught 92 balls last year. So yeah. the, the running game is going to be, you know, and Coach Lynn talked about, he likes Austin in that tandem role. So whether it's Justin Jackson or Joshua Kelly, I, I feel like those two guys are really going to try to fill the void of Melvin Gordon and, and getting those tough yards. And, and that's what I'm fascinated to see because – we saw flashes of Justin Jackson a couple of years ago when, when the Chargers were making that run to the playoffs in 2018. We saw Joshua Kelly was capable of at, at UCLA. So that's the kind of the unknown in the backfield. We know both of those guys are talented. Who's going to kind of step up and, and take that role of, of Melvin Gordon in 2020? That's one of the storylines I'm looking at over the next few weeks. Absolutely. And because, again, I think they're going to go to that stretch, that stretch zone scheme, that run scheme. You don't have to be that big name, but if you can hit it, right, if you've got some giddy-up, then that's where you make plays in that scheme. Look at the 49ers. They only had one running back last year that was a high draft pick. Everybody else was, was pretty much an undrafted player, right? But they had guys who could hit it. Raheem Mostert, Matt Breida, um, and, I, and I'm, I'm blanking on the running back they got from the Falcons. Who could, they could all hit the gas pedal. Coleman, so if you can, right? Tevin yeah, Coleman. Tevin Coleman, right. So if you can take what looks like – Last year would have been a three-yard power-type run because the running back's got to make the linebacker miss one-on-one. And you can turn that in the zone stretch scheme where just the flow of the action can make a linebacker, you know, one foot out of place. And you can pop what looks like a three-yard run into a 15-yard run. Then this is going to be gangbusters. And that can happen in this type of scheme when you've got mobile quarterbacks who can give you kind of that boot action where you've got to keep backside defenders in place and they can't go with the pursuit flow. Mm. Now that's not always the easiest thing to do, but if you've got graders like Trey Turner, man, he's played in this type of offense, right? Bulaga has played in this type of ocean in green Bay. If you've got guys who can set that tone and really scrap and do what you need for that second or two to spring your running backs, all those guys could have fantastic, fantastic seasons. But, again, you've also got to have that deep threat passing game over the top every now and then to keep those DBs honest and not have to creep up on the line of scrimmage. But you mentioned Trey a couple times. Five Pro Bowls the last five seasons, Steve. I mean, and then Bulaga, he knows James Campen very well. They spent, I think, nine seasons together in Green Bay. You get Mike Pouncey back, who was out week five last year. So that right side of the line, when, when you talk about Pouncey, Turner, and Bulaga, um, if, if those guys can stay on the field – Again, this is a completely different offense and offensive line that, that we're accustomed to seeing over the last couple of years, especially with, with Phillip under center. You know, and, and Phillip was just a different type of quarterback. I mean, whether it's Herbert or, or Tyrod or you know, even a guy like Easton Stick, all three of those guys can make plays with their legs, and it's going to be something we see a lot more uh, in 2020 than we saw with number 17 under center. It, it's better. <laughs> maybe after you get, maybe after you week get, two, that that will have <laughs> the same amount of plays. If you can't have more rushing yards than Phillip, then we, hey man, then you got some trouble. Well, the the thing also about the makeup of, of those offensive linemen is they're a lot more. I mean, they're they're like nasty guys. I mean, Balaga's a scrapper, you know. So this is a little bit different of a mentality of offensive line. So you talk about if you have to get power yards, 
They've got guys in there who wrestle in the mud. Okay, this isn't as much of a finesse offensive line as it has been, and that's that's going to be a big change as well when you've got guys like Trey Turner, Bulaga, and Pouncey coming out and smacking guys in the mouth. So, again, I think I, I just think also having a mobile quarterback, a guy who even when he's not carrying the ball or throwing the ball but carries out fakes to keep the defenses honest, that can overcome a lot. I mean, for years I covered the Atlanta Falcons and Michael Vick was their quarterback. They led the NFL in rushing like three consecutive years. Mm. They weren't that great in, in passing, but that offensive line playing on a thread without having any pro bowlers, they were dynamic. And, you know, it's – and I think the Chargers have more talent and more power, but that threat of the mobile quarterback, again, this is where Ty's just got to let it rip from time to time, something he's not been prone to do. That, that's something that could end up causing defensive coordinators nightmares preparing for the Chargers. No question. In the time of possession, too, you want to keep that defense fresh. So if you can sustain drives uh, with with Tyrod running the ball, running the ball with with Eckler, Kelly, Jackson, and then taking those shots when necessary because you got the playmakers to do it, Chargers could go a long way. A couple more for you, Steve. You've seen up close, you know, going to the Rams facility, uh, just everything that the teams have to deal with. Um, you know, Telesco and Lynn have said numerous times over the last two weeks, we have two opponents. We have COVID-19 and then whoever we play on Sunday. I've heard the most disciplined team this season is going to go a long way. Uh, how do you think this pandemic is going to affect all 32 NFL clubs off the field? You know, just everything on a daily basis, getting tested, uh, being cognizant of, of staying safe. Um, because if one guy fails, you could potentially – hurt the rest of your team yeah and look it was Joey Bosa who came out the other day and said the most disciplined team is going to be the one who's going to be there at the end and he's right excuse me because right now what the players are going through is learning new behaviors it will become second nature at some point when you've got to take your temperature to come into a building sanitize your hands make sure your mouthpiece is going through the ultraviolet sanitizer and the social distancing and everything they're going through these are learned behaviors and respecting your teammates you know, we have the old uh, expression that happens in locker rooms, a lot of grab ass. You know, guys whipping, whipping each other with towels, and, and that's done. Yeah. Okay, that, these types of behaviors are done. And hopefully these players carry these into their homes and things like that, and they don't get lax and think it's a work-only thing. But the biggest deal is the education. Because some guys have been spending all summer in different parts of the country hearing one thing about the seriousness of this virus. <clears throat> now they're coming here and they're hearing different things about the seriousness of this virus. So some folks aren't taking it as serious as others. Now folks are getting a completely tunnel vision focus. So again, the learned behaviors and what they do off the field. Okay. If you go home, maybe you have dinner with a couple of your teammates or your wife, whatever, that's cool. And this is going to be hard for 25 year olds who've got five or six days between games, who've got a little money in their pocket, to talk about learned behavior, to not go out to parties and to not go out to clubs or to not go out to big restaurants. This is going to be tough, but this is something that these guys are going to do. And I, and I had one team official tell me the most interesting thing is, let's say a team starts out one and five, one and six, two and seven, out of the playoffs, coach gets fired. Are those players going to be as committed to the health and safety and the overall mission of the team as a team that's seven and two and knows they've got a shot to make the playoffs. That's where 
you can get the rub. I mean, and it's not just players, the coaches, staffers, everyone in that building has got to be absolutely disciplined and understand that this thing has thrown us a curve already by spiking again across the nation at this point of the year when we thought this thing was going to be gone. I mean, that, if that's not a lesson learned, um, then again, we're all over the place. And, and so, and look, these players, and I know I'm rambling here, but these players are being asked to do an awful lot, right? Not only adhere to the COVID measures and, and get ready for football, but there are a lot of initiatives coming down from teams, players, and the league itself, social justice initiatives. They are kicking off a voting initiative drive uh, today, this Thursday, that is league-wide. So these guys are being asked to, to consume and absorb and be attentive to a lot of different things. It is a different time for a, a lot of these players. Remember, they're 24, 25, 26, and they are not used to living their lives in, let's just say, this mature bubble all the time. Yeah. And they are being asked to be grown up in a lot of different ways. And so I'm just really intrigued to see the leadership of teams starting from the ownership down to see which teams can keep it together and which ones won't. And Steve, it's a great segue to my final question for you. You know, head coach Anthony Lynn, this offseason, he did a Q&A with Elsie Grandison, the L.A. Times, about social justice and wanting to make an impact and not just wanting to write a check, not just wanting to make a, a statement, but actually put some tangible things together uh, on behalf of the Chargers organization and, and his players. Um, he put together a, a roundtable of key officials in Los Angeles for the entire organization, for, for me included, to, to, to have our employees listen. Um, he has done so much for, I mean, we just talked about the well in Tanzania um, that, that he's done. Yep. How does the league view Coach Lynn and, and him as a leader, not, not just a great football coach, but, but, but somebody in times like this that you can look to, he's a former player, he won a Super Bowl, um, his message carries so much weight because it's, it's not just the message, it's the action that he puts behind it. Yeah, I mean, look, and that's – look, Coach Lynn has been one of the few coaches to step out, right? We've heard very few coaches kind of step up. Brian Flores, Sean Payton. But there's been a lot of coaches. You know, Kyle Shanahan has, has stepped out. Most of these coaches are just all here in football. We'll handle we'll handle we're being coached to do. We're going to support our players X, Y, and Z. But he's leading. And I think that's why he's got so much respect among his peers, uh, from people who played for him and who are now playing for him. Um, and just the fact that he the, the buck stops with him. He makes no excuses. And if something is going to get done, he's going to set the tone. He knows he's got some really strong-willed players on his team, but guys who want to do things. I and mean, what Isaac Rochelle is doing with the local, uh, his local human foundation. Mm, it's incredible. It is absolutely remarkable. Where each month, you know, they're, you know, he's selling these T-shirts, giving $10 each to a certain charity, giving them a T-shirt for everyone purchased, and then, like, providing food or whatever. I mean, he is – He's it's amazing. targeted, Steve. It's like he, he's fighting he's fighting hunger in neighborhoods. Yes. Like he, he's putting, you know, really a lot of thought behind each month, what it means, what it's going to. And it, it actually really sets people up nicely to say, okay, if I, if I donate, uh, I buy a T-shirt, $10 is going right to here. It's going to five Impossible Burgers for the L.A. Food Bank. You know, so you right. know what you're doing. It acts, and, and the T-shirts are great. You know, I, I, I have one. I, you know, I, I think he, he's what he's doing. But I mean. All of that stems from the fact that they're with an organization led by Anthony Lynn that is showing the way, that is supporting the players, and who aren't going to say to them at some point, hey, you're distracted. <clears throat> if it needs to be said, I'm sure it would be. 
but they're supporting their players and they're seeking counsel. And when you've got someone like an Anthony Lynn or Brian Flores or Sean Payton who can compartmentalize and do good and be focused on doing good while also being focused on doing your job, that says it all. And that's why Anthony Lynn's going to be a head coach in this league for an awful long time. People can say this or that. Oh, they finished five and 11 last year. He's on the hot seat. That was a, Hey man, you know, the keystone came out of the wall. That was not on Anthony Lynn. There was a lot of things, but that leadership, Hey, if one team doesn't want him, there'll be another team that does because of the type of person he is. No question. No question. Steve Weiss, one of my favorite people in this business, man, you're always generous with your time. And, uh, Listen, this, this season is not going to be a conventional season, but it's still going to be fun. Uh, and I hope to see you out of camp and uh, hopefully at games. You know, every day is different, I think, in 2020. It's a very fluid situation, but i uh, looking forward to some football, my man. You too. Keep doing great work, man. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. A big thanks to Steve Weish for joining me. And, of course, as always, thanks to you guys for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the Chargers Podcast Network wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll keep this thing rolling all throughout training camp as we get to week one. Have a great weekend, and until next time, I'm Chris Hayre.